your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Six minutes past the hour here on this Wednesday as we slide over the hump together. Thanks to Keon Brown, Jaron Marino being in studio a moment ago. David Teal coming up in just a little bit. Looking forward to that conversation as always with uh, the Hall of Famer from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And we really look forward to our conversation with Bill Roth as it's time for the Roth Report here on BDST. From the talk of the New River Valley WRAD, it's time for the Roth Report. Presented by the University Club of Virginia Tech, Blacksburg's premier private club and event venue. Now along with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer and voice of Virginia Tech football, Bill Roth, here's Rick Watson. Good morning, William. How are you, my friend? Hey, Bill, do you have me now? I do. Hey, I don't know, man. I don't know what was going on there. (laughs) I do. So, I'm on the... Verizon is down. Oh, okay. In Florida. Okay. Well, that's probably so, it then. That's probably it then. Well, that's okay. Better late than never, man. I just wanted to get you on. Good. Good to have How are you? You doing okay today? I'm great. And then the internet is out. Oh, well, there you go. That'll do it. That'll do it. So that's where we are. Good morning. Good morning, man. Good morning. Hey, uh, what's uh, just your just your eyes. You're watching the game. You're up there. You talk to the coaches. What are you seeing now, the biggest issues with this Tech team after Saturday going into uh, the pit game? Well, both sides of the ball. Struggled at North Carolina. They clearly caught Carolina on a night, a late afternoon, I guess, a day where their quarterback was just in the zone, and they couldn't get to him, and he was making every throw. That's as well as an opposing quarterback who's played against Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not get good linebacker play, and they did not get good defensive back play. There were a lot of balls. I think it's funny, Rick. I think the guys were so concerned about making pass interference penalties, committing a pass interference penalty, that they let the opponent catch the ball and then tackled it uh, instead of going for the ball. And Coach Prime mentioned that after the game. You, they've got to make some plays. But I think, again, for the second week in a row, this, this is a, a repeat from last week, 10 isn't enough. It, 10 points isn't enough, particularly against that team. And I think everybody knows that. Uh, they've made some changes 
uh, both sides of the two deep at linebacker on one side, and they they brought Daquan right into the fold. We don't know that they'll um, play for the rest of the season, but he's had a really nice debut at Chapel Hill. He can play four games and still keep his redshirt. Big tight end. And uh, and then this week, Malachi Thomas is back into two deep. Or actually, I guess he's third or fourth on that list. Mm-hmm. But he's on the he, he's he's going look like he could play this week at tailback. So that's encouraging. Uh, they don't have any playmakers. They've had only 16 plays all season of over 20 yards, and they don't have uh, the ability to score a lot of points right now. But you know what they need, Rick? They need a spark. They need a block kick. They need a block punt. They need a big punt return. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a pick six. They need something to get going. They just they haven't had it. Uh, we are... Saturday is the halfway point of the season. Virginia Tech has one interception for the season. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, they just need a spark to get it going. I think once the spark comes, they'll 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 get a little bit of momentum. I know uh, Coach Pry felt like the offensive line is getting somewhat better. What do you see up there with those guys? I know they've played a lot of a uh, lot of downs with those starting five and so forth. Well, they're going to have to play their best game of the year this week because they're playing a a team that's at least in terms of, I mean, Pitt's got all those guys back from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think everybody's line looks good against the Tar Heels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, I, I think they played a little bit better, uh, but not winning, not, not not where the level where they need to be. You know, these next couple of games, two of the next three are against really good teams. Pitt, I mean, not, not Miami in the middle there, but... This, this pit game on the road and the NC State on the road, that's going to really challenge those line, the line play here. They've got to be they've got to make a big step up here in October. How do you think it affects uh, Pitt's mentality losing that game surprisingly to Georgia Tech? Does it make them more dangerous in your eyes or more winnable? What do you think? Hmm. Well, the Hokies have never played particularly well in Pittsburgh, at least at the new stadium, which isn't even new anymore, right? Right. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, they had won some games at Pitt Stadium before they moved over to what was then Heinz Field, now Akershire Stadium. Uh, I don't know, Doozy, though, what Pittsburgh's 15 and 11 coming off a loss. Uh, I, I don't know if you can say it one way or another. You know, Slovis didn't have a really bad game. He actually had some pretty good stats against Georgia Tech, uh, but they harassed him. They made him move around a little bit. I think that's going to be really important. For the Hokies, they, they they don't have at this point the ability to win a shootout football game, and by shootout I mean like thirty-one twenty-eight yeah, kind of thing. Right? They, they haven't sh- they haven't shown us that yet. I'm not talking fifty-five fifty. Uh, so I, I I think for the Hokies they, they've got to do a good job of getting Slovis on the ground, get him on the move, and, and make a play or two on defense or special teams to get get some better field position. I, it seemed to me we're five games into it, other than the first possession against Boston College. You know, that game began with an interception. Other than the very first series of that game, the Hokies don't have any many positive drive starts. Mm-hmm. They're always starting 85 yards away, and they haven't been consistent enough to put that together yet. Well, switching gears real quick before the break, uh, the baseball playoffs are upon us, and the Atlanta Braves, second straight year. They didn't get off to a great start. They were 10.5 behind the Mets back in July. Here they are winning their fifth straight National League East division title. Wow. What is, what is the bigger story in New York? Aaron Judge gets the home run record or the <laughs> Mets blow it? 
the New York Mets blow a ten and a half game lead. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't so much that they blew it. It was how well the Braves played. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, with Atlanta, you know, they're the defending World Series champs. I hope everyone remembers that. They did win the World Series. <laughs> That's year, right. right. That's right. They've got the pedigree. And and I, I mean, I vividly remember, you know, in August, the Mets fans were, I mean, they were already getting ready to hang the pennant in New York mm-hmm. for them. And, and the Braves just kept on going and kept on going. That being said, Aaron Judge has been one of the great stories of the, of the year, the way he's handled it and whatnot. But uh, how about the Braves? Yeah. And then regular season's not over yet. By the way, did the Pirates end up losing last night? I didn't see the score. Uh, let me look here. I'm not sure. I have to check it out. The Cardinals. That, that would that would that would clinch their another 100 loss season. By the way. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been there as a Padres fan, so um, yes, they did. They, they, did. they went to yeah. ten innings. They yes. did. Yeah, there's the 100. I see it. I see it now. Well, 100 losses with a, with a game to go. So had they won last. <laughs> Uh, it'll happen. It'll happen one day. It'll come back around in Pittsburgh. Well, the Orioles, the Orioles did turn it around a little bit this year. Correct. Correct. Boy, the Pirates. They had a, they had a game there last week. <laughs> I know that there were 500 people at the game in uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I believe game. it. I believe it. It's uh, Bill Roth and the Roth Report. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to have the Baker team game of the week, the SMA update, and of course the NRV Heart Clinic top three. All that's coming up. With Bill Roth and the Roth Report here on BDST. Come back. Louise Baker, the Louise Baker team with Long & Foster Realtors. Hire an experienced real estate agent to help you navigate the world of purchasing your property. Dealing with lenders, selecting properties, seeing the inside, making an offer, and all of the details to closing. Let a professional help you with the steps. Louise Baker, Long & Foster Realtors. Contact us at nrvhomeswithans.com. Hey, Hokie fans and alums, have you ever wanted to throw an event or dine with friends with Lane Stadium as your backdrop? Well, now you can. University Club of Virginia Tech is now offering memberships with the complete club experience. You'll have member access to dine during the week, a quiet place to work, an incredible venue to host private events, and most importantly, a setting that fosters community and relationships. For more information, go to universityclubofvt.com. That's universityclubofvt.com. First in Maine is a beautiful shopping center located right here in Blacksburg. It has the perfect mix of shops, restaurants, and entertainment. Grab some new shoes and accessories at Runabout Sports and Walkabout Outfitter to make your hikes around the NRV even better. Looking to grab a bite to eat? Well, First in Maine has great restaurants like Zoe's Kitchen, Bull and Bones, Avellino's, and El Rodeo. Looking for some family entertainment? Then check out B&B Theaters for movies, the arcade, and bowling. Visit First in Maine today. The official entertainment destination of Virginia Tech Athletics. From the classroom, to the studio, to the stadium, it's time to catch up on the latest from Virginia Tech Sports Media and Analytics program. Today's SMA update is brought to you by First in Maine, Blacksburg's premier destination to eat, drink, shop, and play. We welcome you back here on this Wednesday. It's the uh, the Roth Report here on BDST. What's up with the SMA group here on this Wednesday? Really excited. We took a big group. We took four students down to Chapel Hill last week. We're going to take four to Pittsburgh on Saturday when the Hokies battle the University of Pittsburgh Panthers. 
all the time I talk about how cool it is that that the university is supporting us at Tech. And I mentioned on the show, Rick, that the league office helped credential a dozen of our students in New York for the mm-hmm. EGC tournament. Right. And they did a bunch for the men, uh, the women's tournament the week before. It wasn't as many, only because it was during school. We had spring break and the men's tournament hit the same week, so those kids were all off. But the individual schools are doing a really nice job. Um, the SIDs, sports information directors at uh, North Carolina, uh, Steve Kirchner and at Pitt, EJ Borghetti names you've probably never heard of before. Uh, could not be more supportive of, of our students, providing them space to broadcast, access to their press boxes. Uh, they're treating them just like regular media members, going down interviewing coaches after the game. And we've got really nice classrooms at Tech, but I can't, I can't um, rebuild or replicate an NFL stadium on our campus. So what they're going to get, you know, the travel going to Pittsburgh on Saturday for this game is just just incredible for those students. It is. I mean, what a great opportunity for those young people. They'll never forget it either, right? They'll never, ever forget it. All right, uh, you got a lot to choose from here for your Baker Team Game of the Week. I mean, there's a lot of options on the table here. I was, I was flummoxed. Because, <laughs> because I would have thought like four months ago that Texas A&M and Alabama was going to be like one of the bigger games of the year. Do you remember the, the disagreement uh, that Coach Saban at Alabama and Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M yeah. got into about NIL deal mm-hmm. back in, when was that, in July? Yeah. They were really going at it, Yeah, right? they were, they were. Everybody thought, ooh, that, that game second Saturday in October, A&M and Bama, that's going to be the game of the year in the SEC. And um, it won't be. Well, it might be, but, I mean, it's not getting the buildup. And Texas-Oklahoma yeah. is this week. That's going to be a, a dynamite game. And even Tennessee and LSU, how about that? Yeah. On yeah. Saturday. I know. All of a sudden, LSU playing pretty well for Brian Kelly the last few weeks. I know. But our game of the year, our game of the year, crazy because they're making the game of the game of the week for the second week in a row tcu at kansas i know right it's great uh i love it is that amazing it really is coach leopold what a job i mean they've had the most dynamic quarterback in the country too i mean they're good they are legitimately good Mm. Uh, i'm i'm blown away by this uh how good kansas is you know tcu's bounced back nicely as well they have they really have crushed Oklahoma. I mean, that was embarrassing for Oklahoma last week. I know. I the know. Froggies. Well, that's a good choice. Uh, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big week. I'm, I've been impressed with the way handed hooker obviously has been playing for Tennessee. Um, and I, and I do think, I think there's a little angst in college station, Texas right now. I think they feel like they have better players. They certainly have the best NIL deal going in terms of the yes. compensation for those guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how many losses does Jimbo get? I know. Uh, I know. This is a huge game for him. If they get embarrassed by Alabama, I think you're exactly right. I think the hot seat's going to really get going down there for him if they get. Well, I mean, they, I don't know if they could afford. I mean, they got a lot of money. I don't know if they could afford to buy him out. But if they don't beat Alabama, what they'll have? They'll have what three losses at the turn? Yeah, right. And and the second half of the season doesn't get a whole lot easier. No, not at all. In the SEC West, so. Um, they have they have good enough players to compete with Alabama, but 
They also have good enough players to get blown out on the road. That's right. At Mississippi State. That's right. So something's going something's going on with Texas A&M right now on the, on the football side. Agreed. Agreed. He might lose that team after Saturday if that goes awry. All right. Time now is uh, we move on here in the Roth Report. I don't know where it's going, but it's time for Bill's New River Valley Heart Clinic three, top three. Two, one. Are you ready for today's countdown? It's time for Bill's Top 3, presented by New River Valley Heart Clinic in Radford. All right. Which way are you going to roll this week with the Top 3? Well, I was thinking about this because the Major League Baseball season is about to end. We're going to get through another year. You know, last year, Trey Turner Trey Turner led the Major Leagues last year with 32 stolen bases. 32. Right? And this year, I'm calling up the stats. Who's the league leader in that? The guy, the guy from Miami? John Birdie, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 40, four, 41 stolen bases is going to lead. Okay. And I'm like, people today growing up have no idea who the top base stealers were and how it, how the stolen base impacted the game. Why are we going down this road? Why are we going down this road, you ask? Because today, in 1915... Ty Cobb stole his 96th base of the year <laughs> to wow. set a record that stood all the way till the 60s when Maury Wills stole 104. Mm-hmm. So to a modern baseball fan, that many stolen bases. Last year, the Major League Baseball leader stole 32. And that doesn't come close to what our top three base dealers of all time. Oh, this is good because I miss it so much being such a part of the game. I wish it would come back. So we're going to put Ty Cobb in there at three because he held that record for most of the 1900s. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was then broken by a great St. Louis Cardinal, one of the great players, Lou Brock, who ended up with 938 stolen bases. Oh, so great. Came on this show back in the day, first round of the show. Great guy. Now remember about this, there's no no, uh, PEDs or steroids here. That's right. That's right. You know, this wasn't like you know Barry Bonds. By the way, would have been a could have been a stolen base guy. And then, he, then he became a home run guy. But anyway, I digress. The number one base stealer of all time. And at this point, the way the game is going, not only will this record never be broken, people are going <laughs> to think there's a think there's a typo. Yeah, right. right. Yep. Yep. Um, Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. Number one, by far the best of all time, stole 1,406 bases. <laughs> uh, insanity in today's world. I love it. He was one of my all-time favorite players to this day, Ricky Henderson. So put that in perspective, 1,406. If you're a Major League Baseball player, the way the game is going now, where 40 bases, 40 steals will lead the league, you could lead the league in stolen bases 30 <laughs> years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Which no one's going to do either, and still not catch Ricky. Not catch Ricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think so everybody talks about Roger Maris? The, 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 or, uh, the yeah. Roger Maris's record got caught, but Cal Ripken's record may not get caught, and it probably won't. Or this record or that record? Is anybody ever going to steal fourteen hundred? No, again? no, they're not. They're not. You think it'll ever come back to be some semblance? You know, not not that to that degree. You think we'll see guys running again soon? I think it'll be really interesting. Explain to me the pitch clock. Does a throw to first reset your pitch clock? That's a great question. I think so. I want to say it does. 
Now, if it didn't, and you had to throw a pitch? Yeah, had to get the ball back and then, like, yeah, and throw it. That's true. But I think it does. I think it resets. I think it does, too. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, yeah, it took a lot. You know, people, they just, pitchers today, they just throw the first 15 times in a row. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The fans would be booing, and and that's the way it would go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, it's, it's a shame. It's, 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 you don't even see it, even in college baseball games. You don't see it. No, you're right. You're right. Well, so Ricky Henderson is number one on our top three today. Absolutely, as he should, as he should be. All right, well, great stuff, so, my friend, as always. So what happens What happens when Verizon is down <laughs> statewide? Yeah. And the Internet is down. Yeah. So you can't even – that popped back up. You're, we're talking today on – I've had my phone configured to uh, Wi-Fi calling. How does one communicate with no phone service? I don't know. <laughs> I don't or know. internet. That's a great point. We found out. For us, we found out not very well at all at first, but we figured we it out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We got on. So thank you for your patience today. No, man, it's great. I just wanted to get you on. People, uh, they value hearing from you each and every week. I know that. So do I. So it was great. I'm glad. And hopefully uh, <clears throat> hopefully the Hokies will play better up at Pitt on Saturday. Exactly. <clears throat> I'm so. counting on it. Yeah. yeah, they will. All right, man. Have a safe trip. I know that's one of your favorite places to go, that city anyway, and uh, we look forward to listening to you on Saturday. My hometown. See you there, right. All right, brother. There you go. That's uh, Bill Roth and the Roth Report. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to be joined by yet another Hall of Famer, David Teal, when we return. Uh, the godfather of guitar, rock and roll, Chuck Berry, here on this Wednesday. Thanks to Bill Roth for joining us. Joining us now on the program, he is the Hall of Fame writer from the Richmond Times Dispatch. His name is David Till. David, how are you? Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Ray. Appreciate the time as always, David. And uh, your first synopsis, man. I already had text messages. Uh, can't, can't wait to hear David's thoughts. Uh, Virginia Tech. We thought it could be an offensive, maybe advancement at least, if not a breakthrough against that Carolina defense. But it went the other way, didn't it? In terms of its uh, statistical output. It certainly did. You know, 10 points against one of the worst defenses in the country, averaged fewer yards per play against the Tar Heels than Florida A&M. And Florida A&M was dealing with about two-thirds of a roster because it had rampant eligibility issues back then for the season opener. Right. So not a good look. First time since... 1989, Frank Beamer's third season as coach, that the Hokies have scored 10 points or less in consecutive games. You have covered so many teams and so many games and watched so many games. I mean, do you see the improvement the coaches have been talking about that they see on a weekly basis when you watch? I don't don't see a whole lot of it on offense in particular. No, Rick, the data suggests otherwise. Agreed. Uh, I, I appreciate Brent Pry wanting to be upbeat and optimistic with his team, I would probably be the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just not showing on the field. Now, maybe there is progress on the practice field. But on game day, there is not. How much of it, and I know it's the most important position, maybe arguably in all of sports, but how much of it do you think 
I hate to say this, but it because of Grant Wells, or is it the fact that Grant Wells is suffering because he can't get much else done offensively running the football? Well, I think it's more of the latter, Rick. Is Grant Wells part of the problem? Sure. And he would be the first to concede as much. But Grant Wells' receivers aren't helping him. Mm-hmm. His offensive line isn't helping him. And his running backs aren't helping Not him. at all, right. So th- this is clearly not all on number six. Well, we'll have to wait and see. And now you get a, a an eagerly uh, going to be an angry pit team, right? I don't know what happened against Georgia Tech exactly up there, but I mean, do you you think that makes them more dangerous this week? We know they're already formidable, uh, especially up front. But boy, losing a game like that that's going to put them on red alert when Tech's coming in there. That's one of the most baffling results I've seen in a while. Yeah, Pitt's at home. Pitt's twenty-one point favorite. Georgia Tech has just fired Jeff Collins and made Brent Key the interim. They've done nothing all season to suggest that they can win that game. And they go into the Steelers Stadium up there and come away with a W. But that's that's Pitt. Mm -hmm. They did the same thing last year, even in winning the ACC title. They lost at home to Western Michigan. Right. Those are games you just scratch your head over, but they rarely have those games against the Hokies, especially at home. And as every Tech fan knows, that place has been a little shop of horror Mm -hmm. for Virginia Tech, and we'll we'll see how it goes on Saturday. That we we talked about how it's not all in Grant Wells, right? We're going to find out a lot about Tech's receivers, I think on Saturday afternoon, because everyone knows how Pitt defends. Pat Narduzzi is going to play press coverage and dare you to beat them down the field. 50-50 balls. Can you make a play? And we're going to find out if Virginia Tech's receivers can make a play. Caleb Smith, Jaden Blue, you know, Lofton, all of them. You know, Daquan Wright at the, at the tight end and in the slot on Saturday, the true freshman, you know, he showed a little spark against Carolina. Can he continue that? Certainly looks like to be without, they'll be without Gosnell after that, you know, brutal headshot he took on Saturday. So, uh, going to be a really curious game for Tex wideouts. He's the multiple award-winning writer, David Till, joining us on the program. Well, let's go to the other Commonwealth ACC squad. You know, a month ago, I think about you when I see these UVA results because I was trying to play up, hey, they beat Richmond. You said, yeah, Rick, but I don't know. The things I saw may be a foretelling of future issues, and sure enough, they have not looked good in any way, have they, Virginia? They just they're lost. Maybe misery loves company, Rick. <laughs> but believe it or not, Virginia Tech is averaging more, more points per game than UVA. That's an amazing stat. Wow. Yeah, Virginia Tech is 117th in the country in scoring, and UVA is 118. <laughs> there, there they are right together. But it's more confusing for Virginia because Virginia returned Brandon Armstrong, Octavian mm-hmm. Wicks, and Keaton Thompson and Billy Kemp, and Lavelle Davis. Ugh. Yeah, they were, there were issues on the offensive line. You knew that. 
But you had to figure that the Cavaliers were going to figure out a way to score. But they they have not. And, and again, you talk about coaches trying to spin it in a positive way. Both Tony Elliott and his OC, Des Kitchings, after the game Saturday at Duke, were like, you know, this is the best Brennan Armstrong has looked all season. Well, Rick, you look at the data. You look at the numbers. And if Brennan Armstrong had posted those numbers last year, they'd have been his worst. That'd have been his worst game of the year. Mm. Is so, it so, so? No, I mean Brennan Armstrong holds himself to a higher standard than that. So there's no reason for us not to. Right. So Saturday at Duke wasn't remotely close to, to good enough on the offensive side, and then on the on the defensive side. They had shown some progress, and then they could gash for 250 yards rushing by Duke. And now I know Mike Elko's got the, the Blue Devils playing better, but still 250 yards rushing, and then special team. You know, Starling fumbles away a kickoff return. They get a punt blocked. It, it was a breakdown across all three phases. The Brennan Armstrong situation baffles me. It really does. I mean, you're watching him a lot closer than and most people. I mean, do you see him regressing, or is this just not being able to connect with the new offense? Or maybe both. I don't know. I think it's the latter. It, he doesn't trust his offensive line. But I, I always thought one of Brennan Armstrong's best qualities was he just had this instinctive feel for when to pull it, and take off, and when to stay in the pocket and try to extend the pass play. Mm-hmm. And that seems, in my eyes, to have vanished. And I think it's because he doesn't trust the offensive line, and he just feels skittish with the new scheme. And that'll happen, right? I mean, when you know those guys aren't going to protect you, or at least it's in your mind they're not going to protect you or, or help you out in the running game, boy, it affects everything else. I mean, that's a great point. You don't trust those guys. You don't have much, do you, as a quarterback? No, and, and much like we talked last week about Virginia Tech, if you're not going to get healthy against Carolina's defense, then when? Well, if UVA's offense isn't going to get healthy Saturday against Louisville, then when? Yes. Because Louisville comes limping in there, 0-3 in the league. Jerkovic at Boston College just lit them up Saturday. I, be- I believe his completion percentage was darn near 80 if it wasn't there. And you know, Brent Armstrong's got to be looking at that tape thinking, man, let's go to work on mm-hmm. these guys. He is the Hall of Famer, David Teal, joining us on the program from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Yeah, I agree on all fronts. Um, and we'll see. I mean, the ACC, uh, the big game, you kind of hinted at it. We talked about it. Clemson kind of continues to progress this year. It's maybe – you make the argument, maybe one of Dabo's best jobs, right, coaching. He lost his two coordinators, and he had a quarterback that was struggling, and now all of a sudden everything seems to be fitting together over there for them. It really does. I was I, I was really impressed Saturday night mm-hmm. watching. That game really wasn't as close as the ten point final margin right, right. In, indicated. I thought DJ Uyunglele was good again, and Will Shipley can, continues to excel at, at the running back position and catching balls 
out of the backfield. That defensive front is just nasty. And the secondary issues that they had the week prior at Wake Forest, they patched up a bunch of those. I mean, Devin Leary got basically nothing done in the passing game Saturday. And, Rick, while we're talking about the ACC, how about Wake Forest? That was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, I was getting ready to ask you. I am so impressed by that. You know, you get your heart stomped on by Clemson at home the previous week. Double overtime. You're so close Mm -hmm. to this landmark victory for your program, and you just can't quite get it done. And then you go on the road to Florida State, which is off to an unbeaten start, has won or beaten LSU in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. and the Knolls are riding high, and you go in there, and again, you win comfortably by by more than – and the final score might indicate, and so impressed by Dave Claus and his staff, Sam Hartman, you know Kobe Turner, that defense, Malik Mustafa. You know, there's you know there's two kids who transferred away from the University of Richmond, and Turner and Mustafa, they are balling on the defensive side for the defense. I think to this date, and I know there's been a lot of big wins, I think that's the most impressive win by any team so far this year in the ACC, just given all those circumstances they were facing heading back on the road. I really do. I, I agree with you. I mean, that was enormous for that program. Uh, switching gears real quick, uh, you were uh, basketball. You're talking hoops yesterday, hanging out with Justin Mutz and the Hokies. I mean, we're in football mode, but hey, we're in that cross uh, season, aren't we? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, they're they're in the middle of preseason practice, and the season starts early next month. The entire conference will gather next Wednesday in Charlotte for for preseason media days. All all fifteen. Coaches will we'll bring a couple players, and uh, Jim Phillips will address the media probably right around this time uh, next Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, it's it's basketball season, and Justin Mutz is, I don't have to tell Virginia Tech faithful this, he's such a treat. And that, that's a young man who loves Blacksburg and loves Virginia Tech and came back for his sixth college season and, Talked about how you know how much he trusts and loves Mike Young, and the, feel, the feeling is mutual. That's for sure. And you know, I, I went back and looked at the stats yesterday just to remind myself of just how versatile Mutz is. He led the team in block shots, assists, steals, and rebounds, <laughs> and, and and was second on the team in scoring and second on the team in field goal percentage. That, that's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And he is a great guy. He is. I've met him a couple of times. He seems like he's that guy. He was on the show. Just He really generally just likes being here. I know he had some financial uh, motivation as well, but it's great. And you're right. He loves the program and, and the community. He's embraced this community as his own. So it's really cool. It's a great story. Yeah, like, like when he put the overalls on, <laughs> on on Thursday night against Pitt and you know, led the crowd in the Let's Go Hokies. Uh, awesome. <laughs> oh, he's got a little ham in him. He's a terrific character. <laughs> And, of course, your podcast is out with uh, Mike Barber. I know you're talking about Tech and UVA. And uh, also this James Madison squad that, well, let's just say it, clearly the best team in the state of Virginia. <laughs> let's just say it. Clearly. Clearly. They're one of 16 unbeaten FBS schools. 
And, you know, if they were eligible for postseason, wow, this would be a, a really interesting it, – it's still an interesting story to follow. But, wow, what, what might they have accomplished if they weren't in this transition year mm-hmm. required by the NCAA? And I'm going to write more about this in the coming days. I've talked to Jeff Bourne, the AD up there, and Kurt Signetti. I talked to Keith Gill, the Sun Belt Commissioner, yesterday. Um, just about the genesis of the rule and why it's required and what JMU is doing to mitigate next year's uh, back half of the two-year transition period. But, uh, wow, encouraging so far. They're inching up. They could end up ranked before the end of the season yes. if they keep, keep playing this well. Absolutely. I could see that happening, no doubt about it. Well, David, listen, great stuff. Where are you headed this weekend? You got a couple trips or just one? No, head to Pittsburgh. Okay, you're going up to Pittsburgh. That's a great place to visit, no doubt about it. All right, man, listen, thanks for your time as always. Safe travels. We look forward to catching up with you and getting your thoughts, and hopefully both of the state teams and the ACC will turn their fortunes around on Saturday. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. That's David Till, the Hall of Famer. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back, wrapping it up after this on a Wednesday. Getting your day started correctly with the finest sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty, pretty Pretty, pretty good. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. She keeps them always in a pretty cabinet. Cake, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building a remedy for Chris Job and Kennedy. And at a time of invitation, you can't take it. All right, wrapping it up here on a Wednesday. It's been a busy, busy day. <laughs> It'll be a really nice day in the neighborhood today. It's already gorgeous outside, so uh, try to get out on lunch breaks or whatever. If you're fortunate enough to have the day off and enjoy the weather and the sunshine. Our thanks uh, today to Keon Brown for joining us in hour number one from the nation's capital. Great to have uh, our Director of Basketball Operations, Jaron Marino, in studio with us in that second hour. Great stuff from him. And again, so thrilled he's getting ready to start uh, his extended family with his first child coming up here very, very soon. Um, due on, the, what do you say, the 20th, I think. So we're very excited for him and, uh, and for Nikki. Uh, Bill Roth and the Roth Report had some uh, connectivity issues because of the power outages down where he is, but... We got it done in the long run. Pros, pros. The pros from Dover. And we came through. And it was good stuff, as always, from Bill. He'll be traveling up with Mike Burnett this weekend to Pittsburgh. And uh, the artist formerly known as Hinesfield. It's always going to be Hinesfield to me. Acrisure Stadium, really? Nah. Um, to see if Tech can maybe get what would be, in most people's eyes, a very surprising win, right? It's a place they've not played well. It's been a place of doom and punishment. And now they're going up there struggling after the Carolina debacle last week. Um, it's a wounded football team in a lot of ways, but we'll see how they can uh, put it together and play. And then thanks to David Teal, the Hall of Famer. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for making us part of your daily, whatever it might be, commute, preparedness for work, or even once you get to work. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Thursday edition. Take care.
us here at News Center 4. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.